0: Unpopular opinions, a healthy dose of introspection, and a few laughs, this is the recipe for becoming our best selves. Welcome to the Socially Misguided Podcast, a show where we hold space for growth by empowering each other to have tough conversations. I'm your host, Sarah Villarreal, and while it may seem like I have it all together, I'm trying to cope with living in a culture of impossible expectations and harmful ideologies. So if you felt the same way, then this is the place for you. There's a lot to unpack, but remember, we're in this together. Welcome back. I'm so excited to do a solo episode today because it's been a while since my last solo. So I love doing interviews and I've met some amazing people, some of whom I still keep in touch with. And I love that because podcasting creates this reason to talk to people that you would never otherwise get to talk to. And at the same time, I also love solo episodes because I feel like they're a little bit more connecting I guess is the right word. I think they're a little more connecting with you personally. So I'm excited to talk about this because I think we're so lucky to have a community where we are hopefully surrounded by like-minded people that want to do the hard work, that are okay with the uncomfortable conversations, and want to just be better overall. And that's a really important thing to have if we are going to... Kind of reach that next level. So as you can tell from the title, we're gonna be talking about why reverse racism isn't a thing today. And I don't know about you, but for me that phrase keeps popping up. I keep seeing it in the comments section. I have heard people say it in person. And some examples of that are someone was called a Karen, so now they're saying that was they experienced reverse racism. Or Why is there a BET but not a WET channel? Or another example would be claiming reverse racism because there's a Hispanic Heritage Month and there's a Black History Month, but there's no White History Month. So I think for me, those are some of the more common ways that I've heard that come up. But I was also talking with my brother the other day and he was telling me the story about his coworker who had had a really bad experience But his coworker labeled it reverse racism. So as you know, I really want myself and us, this community, to be people that don't just talk the talk, but we walk the walk, right? And one of the best ways to do that is within your own circle of influence, right? So that means your family and your friends. Those are the people that we can start having these conversations with, So I use that as an opportunity to address with my brother what his coworker had said about reverse racism and why that is not really a thing. But before I go into that, I wanna give a little background because if you don't know me personally, you're probably looking at my last name and thinking, why does Sarah talk about things from the white perspective when her last name is Villarreal? So first off, Villarreal is my married name, not my maiden name. And then if you do know me, you know that my grandma on my dad's side is Mexican. Actually, fun fact, my dad just went to visit her a couple months ago, and he sent us a picture of this cute little paper menu, and it was for a Mexican food restaurant. And so it was either my grandma's parents or her great-grandparents, but they were pinto bean farmers, and they had a Mexican food restaurant. Which is so interesting to me because I feel like growing up, my siblings and I had so much pride and curiosity about that part of our heritage. But aside from having pasole every Christmas Eve night and being raised Catholic, we just didn't really have a lot of connection to that part of our heritage. Culturally, we were raised very white. And so when I talk about things from the white perspective, that is how I move through the world. And just to give you a little more perspective on where I'm coming from, my maiden name was Pennington. So as you can imagine, I had zero obstacles when it came to race, right? I mean, Sarah Pennington, no one ever looked at that resume and thought, oh, that sounds that name sounds too ethnic. I'm not sure. Or that never blocked me from getting an apartment or anything like that. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of backstory because I think it's important to have these conversations and understand where we came from, why we have the particular experiences that we do, why we have certain obstacles or don't have certain obstacles in our way. You know, all of this is connected and all of this informs how we move through the world. So back to talking about racism, one thing I think it's really important to understand is when we talk about racism, we need to talk about it from a collective lens versus an individual lens. And I say that because talking about it from an individual lens does a couple things. One, it dilutes the pervasiveness and the seriousness of this issue because it makes it seem like it just comes from a couple individuals, which is not true. And we're gonna get into that a little bit later. And two, I think of myself as part of the white collective, and that's something that I've learned over the past couple years, and the reason that's important is because as much as I want to, it is not helpful to disassociate myself from people that I would consider quote-unquote bad white people, right? And those, I think all of us know, would be, you know, people in the KKK or neo-Nazis or people that actively seek harm on minority groups, Because that's just a very extreme example, and obviously, of course, it does exist, but that's just a very extreme example. I think what we need to recognize is that all of us are complicit in racism and racial bias to some degree. We have all been guilty of microaggressions or more internalized, subtle racial bias. And that's not to say that we're bad people, but We live in a culture and a society where racism is baked in. So in my opinion, I don't think that any of us get through this life unscathed or uninfluenced. Is that a word? I don't even think it is. Not influenced by that idea. And so when we disassociate ourselves from the people that we think are kind of the worst representation of this group, we're less likely to want to fix this problem and be a part of the solution. So back to what I was saying about looking at racism through a collective lens versus an individual lens, let me break this down a little bit further. There's a really good article on Vox that explains, quote, "...racism reinforces discriminatory attitudes with social, political, cultural, and economic institutions that have historically disenfranchised a group of people simply because of their racial identity." And that's kind of the key takeaway— So another way to say this, a more succinct way to say this, is racism is prejudice plus power. And so the power behind racism needs to be understood from a structural, systemic, and institutional perspective. And so the most obvious example of this was slavery. And then the Jim Crow laws, which legalized racial segregation, redlining where federal governments ranked properties based based on their likelihood to increase in value, which left a disproportionate amount of black and brown folks unable to get government-backed home loans. We see this in mass incarceration rates. We see this in police brutality. And then when you add all these things together, this is how that plays out in wealth gaps, right? So again, when structures and systems and institutions are set up this way, this goes way beyond an individualistic problem. And so if you're on the same journey that I am in terms of anti-racism, one thing we need to address is when we talk about this, we get a lot of pushback, right? And one of the more common responses I see to this kind of information is people saying, well, that can't be true because white people have hardships too. None of this is to say that white people go through life without experiencing anything negative. Can white people be poor? Yes. Yes. Can white people experience racial prejudice and discrimination? Yeah, of course. Are there harmful stereotypes about white people? Yeah, definitely. No group, sadly, is immune to these kind of things. But again, what makes it different is that for white people, because we are seen as the default race, there are no structural, systemic, or institutional powers to back it up. And so that's the difference. No one, again, is saying that white people do not experience hardship because they do. We all do. But when we use the word racism to describe what we should be calling prejudice or discrimination or hardship, it dilutes the serious and pervasive problem that racism is. So I just wanted to do a short episode on that today. Again, I'm still in my process of learning and in this journey But I will say that after I had that conversation with my brother about his coworker, he thanked me for explaining this in a different way and for going in depth with it. And so I think that's such a key to us moving forward. We're not always going to agree on things, but I think if we can talk to people, other people, like they're human, and really try to kind of put down our defenses and look at this for what it is, and not take things so personally, I think we can make a lot of progress. So thanks for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening in. If you love this episode, please do me a favor and share with a friend. It helps us get the name out there so others can find the show and join the community. For more information or to connect, find us on social at Socially Misguided Podcast. remember to follow the show so you don't miss an episode. I'm so thankful to be on this journey together and I'll see you next week.